All right, this is AP and Spence with two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. It's Wednesday. We're doing this a little early today, or a little early this week anyways. And why is that? Well, I think uh, what I was going to say is probably because we're trying to beat the heat, we're right? I mean, heat. you don't want to do a podcast reason. when it's 142 degrees yeah, out. It is going to be hot, hot, hot this weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, well, and I know that, you, Spencer, you are doing a little trip. I'm doing a little trip. I'm, I'm off with my family. We're going to go on a little vacation for a week and... Uh, Really excited about it. We're going to beat the heat. We're going to get out of this out of this heat while uh, it gets to a hundred. They're saying potentially hundred and nine degrees. Yeah, I can't remember the last time it's been that hot in Portland. I don't know if it ever has, especially in June. I mean, those are numbers like Phoenix, Las Vegas, Redding, California. You know, south of. Uh, Texas, yep. those kind of desert places. Yeah, like arid places. You're not getting that in Portland, Oregon in June. Not this usually. is the Rose City. It should be 77 and partly cloudy. Yeah, normally in June, it's like 80, 70, 75, 80, 85 yeah. is a high. A few clouds. But and... it's been it's been pretty warm. We had that really nasty couple of days of rain, and then ever since then, it's been nonstop sun. So Yeah, pretty. Uh, uh, hopefully, it'll, you know, hopefully we don't have any more fires this, this summer. That's what I'm worried about. Well, this feels like right for it. I'm triple digits over an entire weekend, and all I've noticed, I, I'm, you know, we're always weather people here, but the 10-day weather forecast showed 90s after that for like right. forever. Well, there's no rain in the forecast, Spence. All right. So, well, we need some rain. Hopefully that'll happen. Yeah. Well, let's make it rain on some knowledge. Let's okay. rain some knowledge okay. on people. All right. So the NC, so this, this program, what we like to do is we like to explain complex legal matters in a way that is understandable for everyone to, to kind of grasp and understand, right? So... So when there's a complex legal issue, we try to we try to find that issue, discuss it, de, de, you know, describe it, define it for the audience. And basically, we read the lawsuits and the and the decisions from the judges, and then we explain them so that you don't have to, right? Yeah, you don't want to be sitting here and printing off these forty-four page decisions or sixty-page decisions and reading them and all the dense density of it. You want kind of the cliff notes, Spencer. I mean, that's what I grew up on is cliff notes. In law school and all of it, right? That, I mean, that's how you got all your good grades on your English papers, right? You yeah. wouldn't read the book. You would just <laughs> no. read the cliff notes. I read, the yeah, read the, and so we're going to provide cliff notes Ain't to nobody people. reading Great Expectations. No, I, no, <laughs> no. I can't spell Great Expectations. And, uh, but that's, you know, that, that's the thing. I mean, we're here to do that. But the, uh, our podcast, as we pride ourselves on, is always breaking news. And this stuff is not three months old. This, yeah, this is this, recent. This, this just happened in the last two days. So, yeah. Um, so, so essentially, on June 21st, this is two days ago, the Supreme Court put out probably one of the most in, important cases to date regarding the NCA and the NCA's rules regarding amateurism. Okay, Now, we've been following this case for a while. In fact, we've talked about their arguments. But now, having read the Supreme Court decision, we can kind of, de- we can kind of dive into... It's exactly what the NCA was arguing, exactly what the student athletes were arguing, and then what the what the Supreme Court ruled. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so let's let's get started with what the um, what the kind of the basis, the facts of this case. Okay, so basically, this is the it's the uh, uh, let me get I'm going to get the caption correct. So this is this is Alston, who's a petitioner, Sean Austin Alston, who's a um, who's a former. Uh, football player at West Virginia University, University of West Virginia, versus the NCA. okay? So that's basically the, the two sides. So what Alston, and this was a class action lawsuit, class action as we've described is a group of similar, similarly situated plaintiffs 
in this case Alston and other former players, who had brought a claim against the uh, West Virginia and the NCA, indicating that that the policies of the NCA violated the antitrust laws of the Sherman Act, which basically say that you can't you can't limit the amount of benefits that someone can get if if those benefits are able to are available to other people. Okay, so so. So that that's a real that's a real simple definition, but that's essentially what we're what we're arguing. What the Alston Group was saying was that that the NCA in its policies limited the benefits that student athletes could get that other non-student athletes, student right students at universities who weren't athletes were able to get things like internships, postgraduate studies, uh, postgraduate uh, opportunities for books and, and, and computers and, and jobs. And so all of these other benefits that, that, a regular, that a regular student could get, but that student athletes were not eligible for, right? So let's, let's, let's kind of define that right there. So, so as we were discussing, so AP, so what are, what are some of those, what are the, what's the rule regarding internships you know, either postgraduate internships or even internships while you're in school for a student athlete. Yeah, so basically the rule is this. I mean, one, you can't use your name, image, or likeness to promote any of their products or services, right? So Nike couldn't say, hey, we're going to put you on a little flyer or a poster. You can help sell some of the products we're selling. So they can't do that. Uh, where they technically, for someone that's not a student athlete, could do that if they wanted to. Then they have to get treated the same to similarly situated interns or meaning like if all the other interns are rifling through uh, doing filing and doing some low-level stuff, you can't have that intern just single them out and say, oh, we're going to have you just wave to people on the street. Everybody else is doing this, but we're going to treat you differently because you're an athlete. Can't do that. So you have to be treated the same and paid the same. Not the same, I mean like for similar jobs. And so, like, so if all the interns normally get 10 to $12 an hour, you need to be getting 10 to $12 an hour too. You can't come in and say, well, uh, this is an athlete. Let's curry some favor. Let's pay this person $30 an hour. That can't happen. But otherwise you can get any of those internships or jobs. Uh, but those are kind of the limitations. Right. But, but, but are there any limitations as far as what a student athlete could work at like a booster for like a booster or something? Is this the same rules apply? I assume. And the same rules apply as long as it's like, it's going to look no, it's going to look skeptical if the booster is hiring just our student-athlete. There should be non-student-athletes there as well. It should be a normal company. But if that's the case, technically speaking, um, a lot of people qualify as a booster, as you know. I mean, if you donated to athletics or you went to the school and, and uh, you know, you're a season ticket holder. You know, there's a lot of people that can be boosters and, so, and they can work for companies. So you can work for an organization that has a booster there, but the same rules kind of generally apply. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're treated similarly and you're paid similarly and your duties are similar and you actually have to be working and you can't use your name, image, and likeness. Otherwise, yeah, you can just so – you, so that argument's kind of interesting in a sense because you, you can. You can go get internships. You can go get jobs. You can kind of build your resume. Um, I mean, when, when I was at USC, we had people that were working for marketing companies and we had people that were working for um, – now, the only thing we would restrict is if somebody wanted to work for a talent agency. Like a sports marketing agency, right? And that's the thing that—that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of restriction that, right? That that this lawsuit specifically was about, like that that yeah. that you couldn't that you can't limit the type of right. jobs and internships and postgraduate degrees and vocational program and the type of benefits that a normal student would get to a student athlete. Yep. that's yep. and that's what this is about. Yep. 
So, so essentially the Supreme, so the district court ruled in favor of the athletes saying that students, that, that schools couldn't restrict the type of benefits that, that a student athlete could get versus what a normal student would get. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's basically what this came down to. Now in the initial, the district court's decision, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but in the district court's decision, which is the lowest court. So what, what the Alston group did, which was, I thought was brilliant was they said, we don't want a jury trial here. We want it, we want it to be decided by a judge, by a, group, a panel of judges, right? Yeah. So they, they presented the arguments to a district court panel of judges, and the judges ruled in their favor. Yeah. So rather than go to a jury, which you can do, you can ask for an, a, a judicial decision, right? Uh, go that route instead of yeah. go to a jury. Because the jury may not have understand, understood all of these right. kind of nuances. Um, so then the next... so. And then, so the Alston group said, we don't like the district court's decision because we don't think it went far enough. And the NCAA said, it, it, it was, it's too restrictive. Yeah. Okay. Now, if that's where it would have stopped at that level, right? So that the district court placed an injunction on the NCAA saying that the NCAA can't continue to restrict these student athletes from getting these benefits. But that was just the district court. Then it went up to the to the court of appeals. Then it went up to the district. You know. Then it went up to the uh, to the uh, um, to the circuit court, and then it went to the Supreme Court, and that's where it is now. So now the Supreme Court has affirmed that decision. So that injunction against the NCA is now the law uh, under the Supreme Court. Now, the the Supreme Court was very careful in its in its majority opinion by saying that we're saying that this injunction is in place that you cannot that you cannot limit these actions. But the NCA said, well, then what's stopping these, these vocational schools or these graduate degrees from giving these kids luxury cars and, and other things that, that to induce them to come and work for them that would be then an, an inducement, right, to stay at the school and to play for the school. And the, NCA, and the court said, well, you can, the NCA can put in rules and say there's going to be a no Lamborghini rule. That's what they said. You can't a no Lamborghini rule, meaning the NCA is still allowed to put restrictions on the bet on the benefits that they can get, but they just can't restrict what benefits they can get versus what other what other students can get. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like one thing I've always wondered: one, a lot of organizations have rules. I mean, look at the NBA; they have a max contract, right? Right, and baseball has that, and football has that. So they're restricting what some people can get versus other people. Maybe the, another person like a LeBron James that's not an NBA player could go out and negotiate a billion dollar a year salary. He can't from the Lakers, right? Um, that's always confused me a little bit where the NCAA gets kind of these like, you know, or like no Lamborghini rule. Okay, but like that's like parsing like, okay, what if it's a Honda Civic? But they still, you know what I mean? Like right. you know, where do you draw the line? Right. And you're either an amateur or you're not an amateur. Remember, the NCAA rules were developed to be kind of like Harvard and Yale, and these are like Olympic athletes where, hey, I'm just playing the sport for the love of the game, and I get to go to school for free there. And then, yes, TV money came in, and these different things came in, and the NCAA makes a bunch of money that they, you know, we'll get into all that. But but I guess, I mean, without getting into that, we're just explaining it, but it's, it's a strange take on Alston's part in my opinion, but I also feel like the NCA has kind of framed this strange. I, 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 and I, and let's get into that now, because as I'm reading this decision over and over and over again, the Supreme court is saying, first of all, all they talk about is men's football and men's basketball. 
That's all that the, this case talks about. They talk about the, the amount of the revenue that is generated by the football programs, TV revenue mostly, and, the, and March Madness, right? Men's March Madness. They don't even cite anything in regards to any other Olympic sports. Nothing, right? And, and as I understand it, and I think you can have confirmed this, a lot of the revenue, quote unquote, that is generated by, these, by football and basketball is then used and distributed to, to subsidize the, the athletic departments for all these schools so that they're able to pay for men's and women's, you know, men's baseball, women's softball, men's and women's volleyball at places, you know, um, t- men's and women's tennis, golf, all of these non-revenue generating sports are all subsidized by these, by the, by the revenue generating sports, which as you've indicated, football is really the only program or the only, uh, you know, option where a lot of different schools make money. Most basketball programs actually lose money, right? Yeah, almost, yeah, in fact, yeah. I mean, only about uh, maybe 80% of football progr- programs, don't quote me on that number, but something around that, make money. Basketball, there's just a handful of programs that make some money. Most flatline or actually lose some money. And then all other sports lose money, most hemorrhage money. What I mean by that is that, that you know, like let's say a wrestling team. You're paying all the coaches, you got some scholarships, you got travel and you got flights and hotels and food and, and gear and, and, it, and it's making hard, no money at all. And people forget about that. And so you, you run a huge red um, to sort of pay for all those other sports with your one sport that's making all the money. But people forget about that, right? They just think, hey, football made you 50 million bucks. It's like, right, and $40 million went to all the other programs to, right. to make them, to get them in the black, which, so it's like a broken business model, actually. Yeah, well, and that's, that, that, that argument wasn't presented. It doesn't appear that that argument was presented by the NCAA. And, and in addition, the argument of how this affects Title IX wasn't presented by the NCAA. Yeah. And, that, and it just doesn't, it, it doesn't seem to me as I was reading the decision, uh, and the Supreme Court kind of reiterated this over and over again, that the, that the framing of the issues in the case was almost like the NCAA said, you know what, we're going to just rely upon the nostalgia of college sports. And we're going to just hope that, that, this, that the, the Supreme Court kind of realizes that, that there's a lot of nostalgia here, that, that one of the benefits of going to school is to participate in student in school and school-sponsored sports and going to these football games and going to these basketball games create lifelong memories, which is true. But I, if I was the attorney in this case, that's not how I would have framed it. I would have yeah. framed it as you, you have to look at this and say, this, these sports, these, all this revenue that's being generated is, is then being used to distribute it to all of these other programs. If you want to keep college sports alive for these non-revenue-generating sports, you have the the model essentially has to stay the same because if you're starting to pay these student athletes, you have to pay under Title IX. You've got to pay the the starting center on your football team the same that you would have to pay the starting first baseman on the softball team, right? You would, and and people forget this. The end. You could still keep Title IX, but the NCAA could say, okay, fine. We're not going to require sixteen sports being sponsored to be a Division One. We're going to require four. And we're going to keep Title IX, but we're just requiring four. So now you can have football, and maybe you have three women's sports. Yeah, so no basketball. Yep. No, yeah, I mean, that's... Or maybe you have football, men's basketball, women's basketball, 
and then two women's sports or something yeah. like that. But we're getting rid of all the rest. Yeah. And uh, there, we didn't get we didn't harm Title IX. And you just cut 75% of your and, programs. And we're going to start paying these student-athletes. Yep. And, and, yeah, all is right in the world. But now you're losing out on all these opportunities for these students that are going to go to school and that are now not able going to be able to play. And that brings up another kind of point that I wanted to talk about. The NCAA, this was really a weird decision by the NCAA, by the attorneys for the NCAA. In, in the decision, the, the Supreme Court said, essentially, both parties agree, meaning that the NCA and Alston agree that the NCA has a monopoly on these student-athletes. That essentially, by saying this, that, that student-athletes, their only option, to, if they want to play sports and go to college, is to go, is to play, is to be at, uh, is to play for the, NCAA, the NCAA's sanctioned school, Right. Yeah. Which isn't the case, right? So so a kid could go to the G League, make money and play basketball, and still go to school on the side if he wants. Right? But yeah. but where 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 that's true is you have all these non revenue generating sports, right? Uh, I guess in theory a, a, a female volleyball player could go play professional basketball or professional sports volleyball in other countries. Mm-hmm. But but you know, I mean how are you gonna get noticed, right? You know, so so there is there is a little bit of a monopoly, but I wouldn't have agreed to the monopoly if I was the NCA. No, yeah, there's definitely not one in basketball and football. I mean, you could say in in theory they could play D three or at a JUCO where the NCA rules don't attach, or you could play in the Canadian Football League, uh, Arena Football League. Um, you know, you just have to be removed from high school three years. So I guess in theory you could play Arena Football for three years. So really, there's no monopoly anywhere. I mean, no. monopoly means that that's your only option, right? Yeah, yeah, and you have other options. Maybe they're weak options. Maybe they're not good options, but they're an option to keep playing football and then still go to the NFL. Yeah, potentially one of the top four draft picks this year decided to go the the G League. So, so yeah. right by th- that right there, uh, you know, kind of defeats the monopoly. So, so it says, well, the N- you know, in the decision, the Supreme Court says, well, the, both the NCA and Alston both agree that this is that this is monopoly. I, I don't know why they did that, right? Yeah, because it's not. And so the NCAA kind of gave some of their cards away there, and, and it's not a monopoly. And, and yeah, so I don't know. The NCAA gets beat up a lot for making rules to keep amateurism in place, but they're an entity that you don't have to be a part of. You could leave the NCAA. If you're Ohio State, you can say, we're not going to be part of the NCAA. We're going to just be part of some kind of random athletic league. You're not going to have anyone to play. And... You're not going to have funding, and you're, and you're not going to be on TV and stuff, but you could still have athletics at your school and compete against other maybe JUCOs and do whatever you want to do. And So you do have options. They're just not good options. And the NCAA is a league. No, no different than the NCAA. How do you explain that, Spencer? Just on the top of your head, LeBron James can have a maximum salary. Can't get any more. Yeah. But the NCAA is not allowed to put caps on their players. That's a really good argument. And, and another argument that's not – really promulgated by the by the NCA in these arguments. There are restrictions in other leagues and there are restrictions but now where where there are there are where that argument a little bit fails is although LeBron James is capped on how much he can make, he's not capped on how much he can make in endorsements, right? And 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 that's where Justice Kavanaugh's that this is this the decision itself affirmed the lowercase decision, which we've already kind of gone over, right? So the NCA can't limit the benefits that would be related to other students, that they can't limit those mm-hmm. to, to student-athletes, right? That's essentially the premise. Mm-hmm. They, they say in here that the NCA still can put limitations and restrictions on those benefits, but that's essentially what they're saying. Justice Kavanaugh's concurrence is really interesting um, because 
he says essentially <clears throat> that the that the decision doesn't go far enough. He says essentially, and I'll and I'll read a couple of these of these things because I think it's really interesting. So the NCA, so he says, the NCA acknowledges that it controls the market for college athletes. The NCA concedes that its compensation rules set the price of student athlete labor at below at a below market rate. And the, and the NCA recognizes that student athletes currently have no meaningful ability to negotiate with the NCA over those compensation rules. So essentially says that that the scholarships, the 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 tutoring, the books, the room, the board, the the, the stipends that are paid undervalues the actual value that these student athletes are are bringing into the university, right? Which again, I would agree with. In a, in, a, in a limited sense of college football and some men's basketball programs. Right, yeah, which is like 20% of all athletes. So 80% then are getting a windfall, right? A, that, hu- a huge windfall. Yeah, because right. they're bringing in nothing. Right. So, so, I mean, like how much, you know, and so, so anyway, so that, so that but that's his point. He, say, he says essentially that the, the NCA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. Where do you think Kavanaugh went to school? I, I, I think he went to Yale, if I double, if I He went to correctly. Yale, you think, yeah. here. I was going to, you know, as we're doing this real quick, I'm going to look Kavanaugh up and uh, just to get his, uh, you know, where his background. Yeah, I'm pretty sure know, Yale. He went to Yale, right? I know he went to Yale Law School. You know, so he, you know, let's see here. So he goes to, yeah, Yale Law School. Goes to Yale Law School and Yale College. Yeah, so he, Yale College undergrad, then Yale Law School. Yeah, so he's a Yale guy through and through. So he's blue blood, you know, old school money. You know, he went to Yale, Yale. And 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 the Ivy League has a different way of looking at NCAA sports. They do. Yeah. Uh, we've been, we've stood, Spencer. You and I have recently stood on the field of Yale University, didn't we? Yeah. On their football field, we've been around there. We've touched that bulldog. We've looked at it. They view athletics differently. They view it as fun. Because these people are trying to become Supreme Court justices and doctors and lawyers and dentists and business leaders and investors. They're not, not very many. You don't go to Yale or Harvard very rarely. I'm sure there's some exceptions. But for the most part, if you're going to try to play football or men's bas- or basketball in the pros. Right. I know there's Jeremy Lin from higher. I, you know, there's always these like exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, you're not doing that. You're going to become a professional and you're just playing for fun for exercise. Well, they don't even have scholarships, They right? don't even have scholarships. Right, so, so student-athletes who go there are not mm-hmm. on scholarship. Yeah, so, so Justice Kavanaugh is coming from that lens, right? His lens is kind of like, if you guys are making all this money off the backs of these kids, then they need to get paid. And But it's different. It's different. The schools, USC used to promote that they would give about a million dollars to a full scholarship athlete in food, gear, travel, hotel, training, medical services, tutoring, the, the scholarship to go to school, I and mean, it's like 50000 a year to go to USC. Someone, someone would spend five years there, and all of it added up to about a million dollars a year for four or five years. So you're making $250,000 a year. I would say if you're making $250,000 a year at 18, 19, or 20, you're an amateur. That, that's paid pretty well. Yeah. Well, so the question is, you know, anyway, so then, so what, what, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but, but so then, so then after, after Kavanaugh basically calls the NCA model flatly illegal, he gives a bunch of examples saying, you know, all the restaurants in a region can't come together to cut cooks' wages on a theory that the customers prefer to eat food from low-paid cooks. 
Law firms can't conspire to cabin lawyers' salaries in the name of providing legal services out of the love of the law. Hospitals can't agree to cap nurses' income in order to create a purer form of helping the sick. You know, so all of this stuff just smacks of a lack of understanding of the NCA's actual model, and that's where I felt like the NCA really failed here. Now, but what Kavanaugh did do was he asked very interesting questions at the end of his concurrence. He says, okay, which is some stuff that we've been chatting about. He says, if it turns out that some or all of the NCA's remaining compensation rules violate the antitrust laws, some difficult policy and practical questions would undoubtedly ensue. Among them, how would paying greater compensation to student-athletes affect non-revenue-raising sports? Could student-athletes in some sports, but not others, receive compensation? How would any compensation regime comply with Title IX? If paying student-athletes requires something like a cap salary cap in some sports in order to preserve competitive balance, how could that cap be administrated? And given the fact that there are about 180,000 Division I student-athletes, what is a financially stable way of fairly compensating some or all of these student-athletes? Those are the types of questions that I felt like the NCA should have focused on. Yeah, that's why he's asking all of them, because these are the unintended consequences. These are the problems, right, that arise from all of this. And there's not good answers, not clean answers to this stuff. You know, and Kavanaugh says that that's, all of these questions are going to need to be asked, and probably through litigation. But, but see, that's where I think the NCA, the NCA should have, from the beginning, said, this is an important case. We need to frame this issue correctly, and we need to get in there and say, this is how this, this, is, how this is going to affect the NCA market, you know, or the NCA, the NCA um, product as a whole, right? And so what do you think this case did, Spencer? What, what is the outcome of this decision, do you think? It, it, what this does, and I think that what this does is this lends more credence to the destruction of the NCA um, sporting model as we know it, right? So, so as we know it of this, of, you know, having quote-unquote amateur athletes participate in NCA sports, it's going to be done away with. We know that already because they're working on new NIL rules, name, image, image, and likeness rule. But I think what this does, what this court case does, is it says to the NCA, NCA, you got You need to change your model. Your your model as it stands right now is broken. And, but the but the problem is is that Title IX is a federal law. So are you gonna are you gonna do away with with Title IX? I I just it it's just gonna be it's gonna be tough. How are you going to compensate one student athlete? Because do, do you think that a football player, I mean, you dealt with football players, right? Yep. Do you think that if you go to the starting center on the football team, or let's say the starting quarterback on the football team, and you say, okay, uh, Mr. Slovis, uh, thank you for all you're doing for this university. Here's a check for $250,000. This is going to cover all of your tuition, your books, your, your, your uh, rent, your, uh, your food, all of that stuff. Here's two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, we're going to tax you on this. Uh, good luck. Have a nice. Have a nice life. We'll we'll see you at practice on Monday. Do you think he's going to be okay if if the if the starting center setter on the women's volleyball team is getting the exact same amount? No, and, and Kevin was kind of making that argument of like equity, like oh they deserve because they're bringing in. Well, then you're paying people based on what the sport's bringing in. That's that that that's gets away from the Title IX model. Exactly, and that gets that gets into the capitalist model that we've talked about. That tension of, of kind of like spread it out evenly, reap what you sow, right? And so the reap what you sow, great, yeah. Uh, Kayvon Slovis with USC, starting quarterback for USC. 
you get a million dollars a year. Hey, starting rower, your team, your team brings in zero, it loses money, you get zero. And then they're saying, well, how's this fair? Like, so I get nothing and they get something. And this is, what about Title IX and what? So there's an inherent tension. I think college athletics was set up not to be a purely capitalist system right. of you reap what you sow. It was meant to be kind of like, this is fun. This is good scholarships for people. This is a way for people to go to school. And in exchange, we're going to give some scholarships for you. Now, Kayvon Slovis, you know, you get to get a good platform to go to the NFL. So it does benefit you in some ways. It does benefit all the NFL players, you know, or uh, college football players that don't make the NFL right. as much. But if you think about it, if you're a bench warmer on the football team, how much more are you actually bringing in than the starting roller? Really? No one's coming to see you necessarily. Um, I don't know. You know, and so it's a tough tension, and, and I don't think anybody knows the answer to it. Uh, but as more and more money gets poured in from TV deals – and modernization, they're going more towards a capitalist system. And college athletics was just directly contrary to Title IX. Why have Title IX? Because it's not capitalist. I mean, it's like a women's basketball. You go to the game and there's nobody there. I was at USC, there was like, oh, there's 300 people here. But they have the same jerseys. They play in the same facility. They have high-paid coaches. They have all the facilities. Nobody's here. They're not bringing any money. So why are, why are we giving all this money to women's basketball? It doesn't make sense economically. But Title IX is not about economics. It's about fairness. Right. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know where that tension is, but the Supreme Court doesn't seem to know either. And, not, and the NCA didn't present those arguments. No. Right? That, and that's where I felt like the NCA, the attorneys for the NCA, really failed, in my opinion. I think that they didn't frame the issues correctly in this case, and it ultimately came back to bite the NCA, and it's going to, it's going to continue to limit the amount of you know, what they can, what, how, what, what they can limit these student athletes from getting. You know, they also could do. Some schools could say, "Fine, we have to. We we're bound by Title IX. The NCAA just limited it to we have to support four sports from sixteen down to four to be D one. Fine, we will, we're going to cut football because there's too many scholarships. We can't balance that with Title IX. We're going to have men's basketball and th- and three women's sports, small ones, maybe men's and women's basketball, and then women's volleyball, women's soccer. Yep, that's it." There we go, and uh, everything else is club, football's club, every, you know, swimming's club. Good luck to you, and now everybody's gonna just scream and moan about that. Can you imagine? I mean, if BYU, no more football for BYU, no, no more swimming, no more, and that I'm telling you, that's what's gonna happen because they're not gonna be able to afford to do this. They're just they're they're not they're not, and they're not gonna want the mess of it. And then are they gonna become employees? Do they get workers' compensation? What if somebody gets hurt during an act? Do we now have to pay this person? For four years while we're waiting for them to rehab, what do we do? You know, and yeah. and so I don't. I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to say, "Forget it. We don't need this." You know, this is a, and, and you're gonna you're biting the hand that's kind of feeding you in a sense. All alumni like those sports. Uh, the, the school likes it, the pride of your team, and that's that's going away. And then it's going to affect women, um, and it, and it can affect men too, actually. Yeah, well, for sure, it's going to affect the non-revenue generating mm-hmm. men's teams as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I mean, why would you? Why would you even? You know, you're not going to pay the, the men's golf team what no. you're paying the men's football team. It's just not, it just doesn't make any sense. You're going to get rid of that program. You're going to get rid of the program. And you're not, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that more than likely what's going to happen is the NCAA is going to limit the amount of student athletes that are required, right? The student, or the teams that are required, yeah. the number of teams. Yeah. I think they're going to have to. Yeah. You know, maybe that number is going to be eight or six right. or something. And they're going to keep football, men's basketball, cut everything else. Yep. And keep women's. Volleyball, cheerleading, uh, soccer, soccer, you know, and and just like have you know four or five other women's programs, and everything else is going to be cut, 
and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be upset about it. And but, no baseball. And no baseball. No, no, no wrestling. Because base, baseball, there's another option, yep, right? There's another if, option. If, if you're good enough, you can go directly <clears throat> into the MLB, yep. right? And you can play in the minor leagues, and you can yep. try to get your way up. Yep. But that's going to, you know, it's just, it, this is going to affect, I, and I just don't think the NCAA did a very good job at presenting the, the, the big, the overarching arguments like that in their arguments. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is true for a lot of things. I mean, they say, okay, let's let's make minimum wage $50 an hour because we want everybody to be middle class. Okay, fine. But if you do that, you know what? Grocery stores are going to say, fine, we have to automate everything. Um, Starbucks, okay, we have to get robots in here doing stuff. We got to get, so let's just get rid of a bunch of jobs. There's unintended consequences for every action. doesn't mean you don't take that action, but you have to consider the unintended consequences of those actions. That's and right. I feel like nobody here really did. That's right. They weren't really thinking about it. And Kevin, I'll kind of ask some of those questions at the end, but the unintended consequences is programs are going to get cut. No schools are going to be able to... Budgets are super tight in college athletics, very tight. And if they, all of a sudden they have to pay people and there's money and they have to you know, take on maybe workers' comp and there's tax implications, they're just not going to do it. They're going to say, nah, this isn't worth it. Uh, this is kind of club sport as it is anyways, and let's just have open tryouts on campus for fun. Here are three or four D1 sports. They're going to lobby the NCAA. I guarantee the NCAA is going to say, fine, let's do this. Yeah. We're mad about these rules too. Maybe they make it, you, know, you only need two. If you're D1, you need two sports. Yeah. Men's and women's basketball. There you go. There you, you have go. a gymnasium. Congratulations. Good luck to you. Yeah. And now college athletics is done, and then everybody stops watching, and then there is no March Madness tournament, or maybe there is, and that's all there is. Yeah. And so I don't know, but, but I'm, I'm not loving this and this decision. I don't know what impact it necessarily has on name, image, and likeness right now, but it's going towards that way. Yeah, well, and yeah, with, br- real briefly because we got to get running here. But yeah. there, there's, there's eight states that on July first have new laws that allow student athletes to make money off their name, likeness, and image. And the NCAA has said we're gonna have we're gonna have some decisions here in the next month. So don't don't take any actions, mm-hmm. but but we're gonna give you some some rules and regulations within those ram within those rules for NCA for NIL so that the NCA athletes can make money. So. So we'll we'll see how that goes, how that plays out. Yep, yep, we'll see. All right, this is AP and Spencer coming back to you after a rousing discussion about the Alston case. Um, and moving right along to another case that has some sports implications. This is the, uh, it's the, let's see, how do you say that? Mahanoi Area School District versus BL. So BL is the name of a minor. So that's what they do. And if you ever see initials on a, on a, on a court proceeding, it generally means you're talking about a minor. So you want to protect the name. So, so essentially what happened was a high school student um, by the name of BL, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know what that stands for, but BL was failed to make the varsity uh, cheerleading squad. So she was a junior, she failed to make the varsity cheerleading squad, and then she posted two images on Snapchat, a social media outlet that I know Aaron, I know AP uses all the time. Nonstop. That were, that were a little profane, that had some expletives in them, and, and basically bad-mouthing the, uh, the, the cheerleading squad. As a result, the school then suspended her from her junior varsity cheerleading squad. So she was then not able to participate in that. So then BL, and you know, assuming her parents, brought a lawsuit against the school district saying that you can't take these actions, you can't, you can't regulate what 
a student at, uh, or what a student can say when they're not on campus, right? And and specifically in social media. Now the the Supreme Court in an eight one decision uh, agreed with the student the student right and saying this violates First Amendment. She has the right to complain if she wants to through social media, and you can't suspend her from this program, uh, from the varsity you know from the junior varsity cheerleading program because of what she said off campus, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this up was not necessarily, it's kind of an interesting issue, right? That, yeah. that schools can't, can't control what people say off campus. Kind of a surprising ruling, actually. A little but, bit, yeah. Because, I mean, like, what, what, what does that mean if, like, a student, a student goes off campus and says something that's, like, a threat or a, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, there's gotta be some, and there are limitations, First Amendment student yeah. limitations. But in this case, she was just bad-mouthing the school. Yeah. There, there wasn't anything malicious. There wasn't any, it was It was probably a dumb comment. I'm sure but, it was like, I'm better than yeah, all these clients. Right. Yeah. yeah, and just some expletives, et cetera. Yeah. So there wasn't anything. But, you know, you still there are limitations on free speech. You can't go out and just say whatever the heck you want. Yeah. You can't say, I, you know, I want all of this, the kids who made varsity dead, right? You can't do that. Yeah. That would be... That would be a that would be not a free speech. That would not right. be the First Amendment. Right. But in this case, the limit, the specific, the scope of it. But the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because you and I both know that that a lot of student, a lot of schools have rules and regulations that apply to student athletes, and that they have their own. That a lot of these teams have separate team rules mm -hmm. that say that you know. You can't badmouth the coaches on social media, and you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, you know, post images of you doing doing certain actions or acting in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. So, how does that? How do those you know, team rules apply when now now that this case is there, right? Yeah, that's interesting because all programs were asked by the NCAA to have this because you you can't get rid of. What, the NCAA a couple of years back, they got rid of – you could basically – it was a one-year scholarship. And you could just not renew it. Right. But the NCAA said, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. And now you have to give a, like a scholarship for the whole time, all four years. And the only way you can stop it is either they deem themselves ineligible, they voluntarily withdraw and quit, or they break an objective team rule. Right. And the, so the NCAA said, you need to have team rules. They need to be objective, you know, and it can't be just like a bad attitude where, you know, some people still have terrible rules like that, but, uh, but team rules. Yeah. Right now they're getting rid of people's scholarships and cutting them off the team for breaking team rules. That breaking team rules can happen off campus. It often is. They're often back in their dorm room and that's where they post something on social media or whatever. And they'll lose privileges because I, I always thought, yeah, it's true. You don't have a right to be on this team. I mean, if they just decided we don't want you here, or we want to get rid of your scholarship. Now they have to, they can't, they, ha they can't do it for non-athletic or for athletic purposes. So they have to do it for non-athletic purposes, team rules. But just like that cheerleading case, it seems like that she doesn't have a right to be on that team necessarily. And if they just didn't want her there because she has a bad attitude, it seems like they could get rid of her. But um, so, yeah, I don't know how this jives enough. If it's a state actor, like if UCLA at public school, they have those same team rules. And right now, somebody on their soccer team could say, if they say, you can't disparage the program on social media or any platform. She goes back to her dorm room and says, UCLA soccer sucks. These coaches don't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. One of the coaches gets it. Next day says, you're off the team. You broke a team rule. It's team rule number eight. We're terminating your scholarship. Right now, I think that they could do that and they could lose the scholarship under the NCAA rules. Exactly. So right. I don't know how this implicates that, but that seems inconsistent with this. That's right, and it seems like that's opening. So if you, if so, if you're a, if you're listening to this program, and you have team rules. You may want to 
specifically be narrow in your de mm-hmm. definition of the type of things that you're going to be able to be suspend or maybe lose your scholarship for violation of a team rule. Yeah. Because this law, this lawsuit, which was affirmed by the Supreme Court, could potentially harm you. If you know you you could be on the hook for may, you know pay, maybe potentially paying damages and those types of things yeah. if you don't comply with 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 this law now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So again, narrow it, tailor it, and have it be something that's like during practice, during a game, on campus, in you know what I mean. You got to narrow it and limit it. But then you're going to be stuck maybe with a student athlete that calls you a terrible coach on social media at home. And what are you going to do, Spence? Yeah, you're the coach of swimming. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, you're going to have to. You're going to have to. You're gonna. I mean, you know, I, I would have a. I would have a. If I were in that situation, we had a kind of a similar situation. I'm trying to remember the the. Uh, um, where it was, oh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about this? The no. Wisconsin basketball coach. Uh-huh. There was a private meeting between the seniors that were leaving the program and, and the Wisconsin head basketball coach. And these, these, these seniors who had graduated and left were just completely railing on the coach about how they didn't feel like the coach cared for them, wasn't, wasn't promoting them, that they, he wasn't a good guy, all this stuff. And there were, I mean, there was like tears shed and there were things that were said. And then someone in that group leaked this this statement or this this conversation out to the public so then the public got became aware of it the the coaches got egg on his face a little bit because he's just getting railed by these student athletes and and so it's it's but that that kind of thing you know so so the, the you know but those those students were leaving right those those guys were leaving but that kind of thing could potentially put the coach and the player in a really awkward situation and that's where the coach maybe says to the player, look, I'm not going to do anything to you. You're going to have a scholarship here, but it may be bad. I'm not going to play you, right? Yeah, it's still up you. to the coach that yeah. you, whether they're going to play him or not. That's a good point. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to play you, and, and, and you, know, you obviously don't have trust in me, so I'm not going to play you as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's up to you, but I would, I would, if I were you, I'd put your name in the, in the transfer portal. And I won't, I won't, you know... I won't block you from going anywhere. Yep. But that's yep. that's the kind of conversations that coaches are going to use to have. So, yeah, you're right. So they'll have some teeth. There's some things that they can do. They're not just stuck, just taking whatever abuse. There has to be some actions. But uh, that's an interesting ruling. I'm kind of surprised by that ruling, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. But it's good to make everybody aware as they write these team rules. That's right. All right. Well, so the last thing before we go here is, you know, all th- so three of our four teams that we picked are still in the turn- are still in the, are still in the NBA uh uh, playoffs. So the Suns won a thriller of a game last night. Back and forth, blow for blow, shot for shot, and ultimately DeAndre Ayton had a beautiful uh, alley oop dunk. The ball went right over the cylinder, and Ayton just jumped up and slammed the slammed the ball home. Yeah, and yeah. they were claiming, you know, it's a goaltending, but it's not goaltending because no. it's a live ball. Anyways, and so great game, crazy game. And then tonight is the first night of the Hawks seventy six or uh, the Hawks and Bucks series. I had picked the Bucks, you had picked the Hawks, mm-hmm. and so now we've got a, a good game. Who do you? So I'm still sticking with the Bucks. Are you going to stick with the Hawks? Yeah, I. The Bucks have home court advantage. Bucks are probably a little bit better, but I'll go ahead and stick with the Hawks. We'll see how the Hawks go, but the Bucks are going to be pretty tough. They're yeah. going to be a pretty. I would not be surprised if the Bucks win. How, how would you like a Bucks Suns final? I'd love a Bucks Suns final. I mean, I do not want the Clippers in there because I think that's one of the last vestiges of a super team of right. sorts, and I don't want the super team to be successful. And so I'm, they're up. They're down two zero. 
Kawhi comes back for the next couple games. Right. So they've been down two zero in every series that they've played so far in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, and they haven't had Kawhi the last two. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if you find the Clippers Suns tied two two here soon, but uh, hopefully not. But I would love Suns Bucks. We don't want super teams. We want small market teams that built up the right way. That is what helps Portland. That's what helps our fandom. All right. Well, let's see. That's what I'm hoping for too. So let's uh, let's see. And and whether that's the Suns, Hawks, Suns, Bucks, either way, doesn't matter. Right? We just want Clippers. We out. We just want Clippers out. Okay. All right. So everybody, have a great weekend out there. Stay cool. It's going to be super hot in Portland. Uh, I won't be sweating, but but you likely will be. I'm going to be sweating. Yeah, it's going to be record breaking heat, Spence. And so uh, you know, if my power goes out. And you're going to be on vacation. I'm going to break into your house and use your air uh, this weekend. So hopefully I don't have to do that. You're welcome. Welcome to the house. For sure. For sure. All right. Stay cool out there, everybody. See ya.